This is the weekend edition of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, our weekend show is all about the two of us each nominating what we think is the biggest story of the week, the most remarkable story, the sleeper story, and our favorite story. And obviously, every week we are joined by an adjudicator. While you're away, we had uh, Tim Burrows step in for a couple of weeks. How'd Tim go? Uh, It was alarmingly similar in his style to our regular judge, Adam Lang, in that... um, Arbitrary. Exactly. The criteria (laughs) just constantly shifted. And he would tell us the criteria after the category had already been done. So it it felt like nothing changed at all. Did you win at all? Yes, once. It was one all, actually, across Ah, the two weeks. So, yeah. That's good. I think everyone came out of that pretty happy. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Michael. Are you uh, primed for a, a a good contest today? Yes, I am. And it's nice to be back in this position rather than one of the challenges. Yes. No, well, we had we did have good fun, but let's see whether the um, the the criteria have have kind of settled or you kind of have felt what it's like to be on the receiving end of inconsistent judging. And are you willing? <laughs> Way to warm me up, Michael. Put the boot in. Off we go. <laughs> Sorry Start about that. on the offensive. Biggest story of the week. Sean, what was it for you? Well, how can it not be the market? It's at a five- or six-month high. What's not to get excited about that? Commonwealth Bank on Friday hit a 52-week high. Why is all this going on? Well, there are signs that the United States Federal Reserve will slow down the pace of interest rate hikes. The Reserve Bank here in Australia has already done that. Not so in New Zealand. Wow, that central bank over there this week it went crazy. It lifted rates by another 75 basis points, talked about doing 100 basis points. So we have basically the Reserve Bank of Australia on one side, US Fed in the middle, Reserve Bank of New Zealand on the other. It's all about whether or not global economies will hit recession or not. New Zealand will go into recession. The US will probably go into recession and Australia will probably avoid it. Why is this week so important in terms of markets? Because this was the week that investors and economists glimpsed light at the end of the tunnel. There are real signs. Are you laughing at me? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying the theatre. Please ah, go on. Yes, 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 that's right. There are real signs that maybe the bottom has been hit. Some pretty smart market analysts think that. And so perhaps we'll have positive news from here. Anyway, the fact that the market's at a six-month high, Commonwealth Bank at a 52-week high, Biggest story of the week, Michael. What about you? I just love the fact that 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 felt like just watching an actor who just goes, you know what, this performance is going to win me an Oscar. I'm going to give it everything I've got, (laughs) and he did, and it was and it was superb. Thank you. (laughs) For me, for me, the biggest story this week was the big week in Parliament. It was, it wasn't just big. I would, in fact, say that it was huge which is Mm. bigger than big. Uh, (laughs) I don't even actually know where to start. I will start with probably the the, the biggest element of it, which was the industrial relations reform, which is in the Senate at the moment. And as expected, concessions are being made to get it through. The biggest so far is lifting the threshold for small businesses under the legislation from 15 to 20 employees, which should exempt another 500,000 businesses from being subject to multi-employer bargaining. Business and employer groups are still pushing back on it, but the government's even extending parliament to get it through. 
Also heading to the Senate now is the legislation for the National Anti-Corruption Commission. This was a one of the a key election promise, which has now passed the lower house. On Friday, the report was released into former Prime Minister Scott Morrison being secretly sworn into ministries during the pandemic with a recommendation from former High Court Judge Virginia Bell that the law be changed so it can't happen in secret again. Uh, the bill to expand childcare subsidies has passed and the government did a deal with crossbenchers to exempt electric vehicles from fringe benefits tax, which could save buyers tens of thousands of dollars, and it could give the electric vehicle industry a jumpstart. Do you jumpstart an electric vehicle? You, I, I thought maybe I might get a bit of a chuckle, and then I realised Sean Narky Aylmer <laughs> is back. <laughs> so no, no chuckles here. But also, I will just say, directly appealing to Adam, how about that for a bit of fringe benefits tax reform? Because I know that, Adam, you are not a fan of this. And um, it's good to see a bit, of a, a bit of appetite for some tax reform. And, and also, just while we're in Canberra, big development as well this week with China apparently willing to re-engage in regular high-level military dialogue. That is another big breakthrough in a big, big week in politics. Big, big week in politics. Adam, this is over to you. You're a long lunch man and FBT. I hate <laughs> FBT, love long lunch man. Over to you. It's not just about the long lunch, Sean. Okay, so as I look at the criteria of economic impact, timeliness and storytelling, before I get to pure subjective bias, Sean, uh, your flourishes were quite something. Well done. Michael, you really did zone in on your target with your tax reform stresses. Very good. Uh, on this one, I found that the big week in, in Parliament in Canberra is more about what might happen, whereas Sean was very much about what has happened. And I do think the six-month high on the markets, CBA above that, US interest rate rises, RBA in New Zealand, all of those elements are the biggest story. You of would week. not believe the grin I have on my face right now. Oh, we we do believe it because everybody can hear it. You sound very. You know what? Congratulations. That is a, that is a, a good. I'm somewhat somewhat surprised. <laughs> That's a good win. Shall we move on to most remarkable? Let's story. Can I go first on this one? Sure. Okay. For me, the most remarkable story this week is just everything that is going on with Qantas at the moment. So we found out this week that the airline's expected pre-tax profit for the current half year has risen to $1.45 billion, which is not bad at all considering it lost more than $6 billion during the pandemic. But who is really to thank for this turnaround? It's poor old Joe and Jenny Tourist and, oh. and Barry and Belinda Business Traveller forking oh. out up to, I can't think of any more, actually. I, I think I'm at my limit. Uh, forking out up to $900 for a full-priced fare from Melbourne to Sydney. Even the discount fares are 50% higher than they were earlier this year. And at the same time, we've got the Melbourne airport boss warning this week that the travel sector won't truly recover until those kind of ticket extreme ticket prices come down. But at least you can say that Qantas's performance has improved. Last month, 74% of services arrived and left on time. Cancellation rate of about 2.2%, which is good to hear because you would not want to be paying those fares for a late or a cancelled flight. But there could be just a little bit of turbulence mm, ahead for like Qantas. It. Because cabin crew have voted for industrial action, maybe stopping work for 24 hours or withdrawing from boarding responsibilities. It sounds a lot to me like we can expect chaos at Christmas. Sean. Kind of remarkable, but don't we always get this at Christmas with Qantas? Anyway, 
Who am I to comment on your story? My most <laughs> remarkable story. <laughs> it's a one that involves the National Australia Bank fraudster, Helen Rosamond. She's been found guilty of a bunch of charges against the major bank. Basically, a big chunk of those charges were about giving benefits to a woman called Rosemary Rogers. Rogers was the former Chief of Staff to National Australia Bank Chief Executives Andrew Thorburn and Cameron Klein. Now, the charges arose from alleged falsified and inflated invoices issued by NAB to Rosemond's events company, Human Group. So basically, over a four-year period, issued invoices are inflated and there was sort of a kickback for Rogers, who was the Chief of Staff. Now, that included Rogers receiving $380,000 for a house deposit, more than $620,000 for a holiday, a single holiday to the US, plenty more. What's remarkable about it? How the hell did this ever happen in the office of the CEO of one of the biggest companies in the land? And it doesn't matter what the company is, but in this case, it's a bank where governance matters more than anywhere else. Well, maybe I'm overstating that, but certainly governance at banks should be good. They look after our money. That is a truly remarkable story. Adam. Very good quality stories from you both here, both remarkable. I'm going to give this one to Michael for the narrowest of margins because of the scale of the performance involved, Qantas, the turnaround, and you have this really interesting story of Alan Joyce being seen as good for investors but provocative to the workers. So the drama involved in it too it also inevitably becomes quite personal. So just the blow-by-blow blow coverage is so interesting. I love the fact that Adam has inserted the drama into the story for yeah. me. Sean. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was actually going to ask, did Michael mention that part about Alan Joyce? I don't didn't, think he did. Didn't but- need to, Sean. It's called subtext. Subtext. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's claiming it anyway. (laughs) But the flourishes of Joe and Jenny Tourist and Benny Business Traveller, quite good. Yeah, no, I mean, on that alone, I think you deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate a good flourish. Yeah. Good. Oh, that's it. Sorry, I thought I thought there was uh, more reasons as to why Sean's wasn't good enough. Sorry, I was (laughs) expecting. (laughs) No, Sean's story is remarkable. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. Just normally the pattern is you talk about one story, then you talk about the next, and and suddenly I didn't realise you were just heaping praise on mine. So I'll take it. We'll come back in a moment and find the sleeper story of the week. All right, Sean, we are looking for the sleeper story of the week. So maybe a story that's not getting the attention that it deserves, or perhaps a story that's going to become a bigger story further down the track. What was it for you? Well, it was actually AGL Energy deciding to close its Torrens Island B gas power station in South Australia in the middle of 2026. Now, this is a bit different to all the other power stations closure. This is because it's a really old power station. In fact, it commenced operating in 1976 and time has caught up with it. There's a new connector, interconnector between South Australia and New South Wales being built. Once that's built, about $20 billion of renewable energy will be able to flow through that connector between the two states. It makes Torrens Island B, which is a very old gas-powered station, uneconomic. So what's different here? It shows that a bunch of energy assets out there just can't compete with renewables. Now, that's a good thing. No one's going to argue against that. But it will mean much higher energy costs. And the fact that AGL has closed one of its big power stations early 
means we're all going to pay a lot more for energy prices. It's a sleeper because it's a different look at that whole situation. We don't have an activist like Mike Cannonbrook saying, shut power stations. It's just become uneconomic because renewables have become relatively cheap. Fascinating story. We're going to hear a lot more about it in the future. Michael. I like the fact that you've taken a story that that we do hear a fair bit about in terms of the, the transition and the closure of power stations and you found a sleeper niche within it. That's actually quite um, quite clever. And in doing so, I'm trying to emphasise to Adam how small it is. I don't think anyone asked for your opinion on my story, but go on. That's right. I'm, I'm giving it. No one ever asked for my opinion, but I, but I do freely give it. Now, my sleeper story this week is all about the buy now, pay later sector because it is in for a significant shakeup with the government this week releasing an options paper for reforming the industry. And it is a sleeper story because it's not there yet. Because these are just the options that Treasury has identified. You are not going to see the 6pm news leading with the government is considering three different options for regulating the industry. No, when this comes through and they Mm. make these changes, then you will see it leading news (laughs) bulletins. So you can expect to hear a lot more about this once the decision is actually made. So that is why this is a true true sleeper story. The sector may well end up operating under the Credit Act. Two of the options would require by now pay later providers to have a credit license. So the days of that that quick online application for a buy now pay later account may well be over, but Financial Services Minister Stephen Jones says that these changes are necessary to protect consumers because after all, it's something like nearly 20% of buy now pay later customers surveyed by regulators saying that they had to either cut back or, or go without essential in order to make repayments. This is a a sector that's grown quickly, particularly in Australia with something like 20 operators springing up in the last decade or so. Not all of them are going to survive. This is, of course, a sleeper story still, but it will become a very, very big story for the sector very soon. Adam. Both excellent on timeliness, both excellent on storytelling. On economic impact, therein lies the difference. Sean, you do win this one. I think what you've spoken of here with AGL, closure of Torrens Beat, is really the cutting edge of the energy transition and how this indicates exactly your point around why we're going to be paying more for power. And that's going to affect everybody. Buy now, pay later, very big, growing industry, very innovative, but not quite the same scale as, of economic impact as the closure of Torrens Beat. Are you saying that my attempt to undermine Sean did nothing? In this case, no, but have another crack. You know, I will. Oh, you I don't will. have to. You're okay. No, you it know what? Matter. I'm going to run my own race. I'm going to forget right. about you here, Sean, and just focus on telling Adam a good story because this is the favourite story of the week. And for me, the favourite was pretty clear because this is a, a terrific time of year for retailers and it is a, a terrific time for for people like me just looking for a, for a good bargain because we are wedged right at this very moment in the middle between uh, the Black Friday and the Cyber Monday sales, a four-day online shopping bonanza that is expected to bring in about $6.2 billion in sales. It's my favorite story for two reasons. It is a fantastic time to start your Christmas shopping, some terrific discounts 
on offer. But it's also hugely significant, obviously, for the retail sector because it's the start of the all-important Christmas retail season. In fact, last year, Black Friday was actually bigger than Boxing Day. And in some categories like recreation, the next six weeks could make up 50% of annual sales. Fashion and electronics and even liquor would be a third of annual sales. So this is big. And it's expected to be just as big this year, which I think is quite remarkable considering the rising cost of living. Adam, retail is is obviously such a a crucial sector for the economy overall, and you are not going to get a more timely story than this one, considering we are smack bang in the middle of the long weekend of sales right now. So I'm, I'm just working through my list of your criteria and tick, tick, tick. There you go. I've done it. There was once upon a time when we did podcasts for the listeners. We've now gotten to the point where we just do it to try and impress Adam, an audience of one. That's right. Well, that's the way you should approach this. My favourite story of the week is actually quite serious. So last week, Vicinity Centre's Chief Executive Grant Kelly quit and then it emerged this week that it occurred only days after receiving a first and final warning after a sexual harassment complaint against him was investigated. Now, he stepped down earlier than expected. The investigation into the sexual harassment complaint followed an earlier investigation which found a high degree of workplace dysfunction in senior executive ranks stemming from Mr Kelly's behaviour. Now, the sexual harassment complaint was investigated by a third party appointed by the board. It actually in the end, the board received legal advice that Mr. Kelly's statements constituted sexual harassment. Why is it my favourite? When Mr. Kelly was forced out, none of this emerged. Then the woman involved showed incredible courage to come forward and say, hey, this isn't right that this CEO can be let go and the real story doesn't come out. I think there are big questions for the board of vicinity centre in this case. I think the courage of that woman who stood up not just to the CEO, but this week stood up to the board is incredibly impressive. I can't imagine how difficult all that must have been, let alone how awful the original harassment must have been. But that story is my favourite story because I think when people do that, they will seriously change behaviour in businesses in Australia. Bravo to that woman. Yeah, well said. Adam. Okay. Sean, on the, I guess, the human element of what your story involves, very hard for that not to win because it is, for all the reasons you say, courageous and important. Michael, the scale of the retail story is incredibly important. You know, as you pointed out, the fact that Black Friday has overtaken Boxing Day is incredible. Uh, So it's a really evidence of a contemporary shift in the retailing landscape. So I'm calling dead heat on this one. Both really good stories, dead heat. There you go. It comes down to points. Well, I'm I'm not sure that it does. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've won two, you've won one and a dead heat. I think that's two and a half, one and a half. Go on, tell us the points anyway, Adam. (laughs) The point score, Michael, 88 points. Sean, in a comeback special, 90 points. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Very close, very high-quality contest. Uh, Well done to you both. As always. As always what? As always, a high-quality contest. (laughs) Oh, it it, it felt like... (laughs) Michael's being defensive. You heard that, though, didn't you, Adam? It sounded like there was more coming then. As always, 
a good competition. No. Or as always, I you did well, Michael. It. Not as always, <laughs> silence. <laughs> so, oh, well, well done, Sean. Thank you, Michael. And thank you very much, Adam. Thank you, Michael. And make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget as well to check out our new podcast, How Do They Afford That?, featuring Canna Campbell, the founder of Sugar Mama TV, all about making your money work harder for you. This week's episode is a great one. It's all about side hustles and, and some ideas on making a bit of extra cash on the side. I'm Michael Thompson. Have a great weekend. Hold up. 